So we've been practicing together for a number of days now and uh, definitely over halfway through the time of this retreat and in my sense is that the first few days are always days of kind of settling in and uh, sort of gradually getting a feeling for for being here, for what's required and um, just beginning to uh, create conditions for the for the mind to to settle a bit and then a day or two of the mind being a little bit settled and then towards the end of a time like this uh, inevitably there's the beginning of um, anticipation of the end of the retreat and what it's going to be like you know, when we leave here. This is the usual kind of pattern that happens for people. And uh, there's nothing wrong with it, it's just interesting to uh, bring into awareness, into awareness that this is, this is how it is. So it's been today's been quite a full day for me. I two 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 sets of interviews, which are quite lengthy discussions about many different things, and then very stimulating, interesting question and answer session. And uh, it's interesting just to notice the kind of um, absence of any obvious thread to pick up. <laughs> Uh, for the uh, Dhamma talk, you know, sometimes it you know, it's clear what what the where the interest lies, and uh, other times I sit here and think, oh gosh, well, hmm, I suppose I better say something. <laughs> and uh, see what see what happens, see what comes out. Just learning how to how to hold steady with that sense of of not knowing. Uh, to recognise the the tendency of the mind to you know, trying to be helpful to come up with all kinds of ideas. You could talk about this. You could talk about that. What about this? 
and the sense of actually, hmm, no, that doesn't feel right. This, um, and for myself, I find I, I trust more in the um, capacity just to establish a sense of presence and uh, to see what arises from that, rather than simply um, uh, allow the mind to uh, produce some kind of helpful suggestion. Uh, the mind is very clever. It's, our thinking minds are very um, bright, very able to put things together, to come up with ideas, suggestions about all kinds of things. And uh, you know, sometimes it's uh, fairly helpful. Um, but in my experience, um, in, in most situations, the, the best response comes out of the, the quiet mind. Talking a little bit earlier on about about compassion and um, gradually learning how to trust in in the quiet mind um, when one's in a situation of some kind of distress. You know, establishing presence with our own sense of unease, concern, uh, sense of helplessness, and and just seeing what arises from that. Very much like um, jumping into the abyss. And this, this simile that uh, I've heard come across like among the Christian mystics, where they talk about jumping into the abyss. And uh, it feels exactly the same for uh, from a Buddhist perspective. You know, we really, really appreciate fully the meaning of taking refuge in Dhamma. Uh, it's, a, it's rather an awesome prospect, uh, because what we learn how to do you know, as we're growing up as adults is to um, think things through in a logical, rational way, uh, to come up with some strategy. And this is not to say that this is wrong or harmful, um, but um, we're also invited to consider the possibility of really uh, taking refuge in Dhamma, in um, trusting in that, rather than the uh, capacity to reason things out. I was saying earlier about um, the response to a question about attachment and how you know, very sincere desire to help um, a family and just the tremendous struggle of the mind to consider and um, come up with some kind of strategy that would um, solve their problems, make everything all right. 
And then to apply that, to put it into practice and to see that actually that really wasn't what was needed. That really wasn't particularly helpful. Um, it was certainly much better than wishing them anything harmful, but um, and sometimes we have to just uh, allow that sense of not knowing and see what arises out of that rather than allowing the mind just to react in a agitated, frightened way. It's like Udacha Kakucha, this sort of frantic thinking of an answer, um, a solution, and you know, going over it in our minds, rather than just trusting in Buddha Dhamma Sangha, trusting in our own capacity to, to know uh, to see clearly, to um, discern the way forward. Obviously, uh, it takes um, practice, takes um, sort of feeling it out, trying it out, and uh, a willingness, you know, sometimes to get it wrong. Uh, <coughs> however, over over time, you know, if, if we if we try this, uh, the, the we begin to trust more in in this capacity to um, respond rather than react you know, we um, uh, begin to experience the the benefits of of letting go uh, just letting go letting ourselves drop into the abyss and to trust that there's something there to, to catch us. Uh, the Dhamma, the Dhamma holds those who uphold it from falling into delusion. <laughs> These wonderful phrases that, um, the, um, chanting is absolutely full of. These beautiful pointers, um, to the, um, sense of, you know, how, how we can actually, um, practice. You know, it's something, it's, it's for real, it's not just nice ideas, you know, that we can work out intellectually, but it's actually uh, directing the awareness to <clears throat> consider things in a completely different way. A phrase like the, the holy fool is an interesting one. <laughs> these these beings who don't seem to uh, react to life in the usual way, but more uh, as though they're just um, they've you know, fully entered into dhamma and, and and they respond. It's not it's not a rational way. Many people would think it was completely crazy, and yet. Um, 
a sense of, of happiness, a sense of ease, a sense of blessedness. So we might uh, wonder, you know, how how can we, um, you know, how can we make the transition from living according to our uh, ideas, our intellect, uh, to this uh, letting go practice, this uh, really entering into into Dhamma. You know, how, you know, how, how does how does that uh, shift happen? And at first we, you know, it can be helpful just to use our reflective capacity uh, to discern uh, the way forward. Yeah. I said earlier in regard to decisions, like considering whether something is uh, in accordance with the precepts, to consider whether it's something that accords with, with right intention right intention, right speech or action, the livelihood, you know, these factors of the eightfold path. You know, is it is it coming from a place of uh, interest in, you know, supporting, um, a place of, you know, being generous hearted? Uh, you know, these kind of inclination, a place of kindness, a place of compassion. You know, and as over these days, you know, I've been encouraging, uh, suggesting the, the possibility of just learning how to read our own minds and to recognize, um, you know, what's going on and to recognize if, you know, there is a sense of, of clarity and um, interest in, you know, benevolence, if you like, compassion, to, to recognize that, and then also to be able to discern the times when perhaps there's, there's confusion or ill will or fear. You know, these um, um, experiences, these emotions that, you know, we're subject to as human beings. Um, and so you know, over the days of practice, you know, becoming much clearer about this. Um, not blaming or judging ourselves or feeling we're a terrible person if these conditions arise, <clears throat> but more just seeing that, you know, these are just conditions that have arisen in the mind. You know, they're um, impermanent, having arisen, they'll certainly cease. Um, and they're not who and what we are. We don't need to identify with them. <clears throat> of course, when we do identify with them, then we get into a terrible struggle because, you know, we feel that I'm an angry, jealous, hateful, confused person. Yeah, disaster area, hopeless case. Yeah, we can, we can get very concerned. If, you know, what we're seeing when we look into the mind is these you know, confusion and 
negative conditions. And the encouragement with the practice is, you know, rather than reacting to what we experience in this way, is to just actually really challenge the assumption that we make that it's me or mine. This is why I sort of repeatedly say, you know, you ask yourself, how is it right now? And notice how it is. You know, not that I'm angry or upset, or but maybe we can replace that um, description with, you know, there is anger. This is how anger feels. There is confusion. There is fear. This is how it is when there's fear in the mind. They're like a way of of stepping back rather than the frantic uh, reaction you know, to, to try to uh, get rid of it or <clears throat> change it in some way. <clears throat> you know, feeling that we, uh, this is, this is us and it's, it's certainly not the way that we would like to be. So this contemplation of anatta is, is really helpful in not self. Um, <clears throat> because it, it's like a challenging of the assumptions um, that cause this kind of reactivity. It doesn't be saying, okay, this is anger. This is what anger feels like. And anger is dangerous. Ang- anger is like fire. And whether it's the anger of frustration at not getting what one wants, or the anger of you know, feeling frightened and defensive, you know, that can bring about a very strong, uh, aggressive reaction. So, um, rather than complicating it by creating a sense of me and mine around it, my anger, or, you know, this is this is part of me, is more just, okay, this is anger. This is what anger feels like. Uh, anger's hot, dangerous, dangerous stuff. So I need to treat this energy with respect. I need to be careful. So fortunately during this time of retreat we've undertaken to um, train ourselves according to the five precepts. So when there's anger or any kind of um, powerful Emotion. We 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 know that we need to practice restraint. There's a very um, important aspect of mind training. Is Buddha's teaching on how to how to work with the mind is to know that there are certain times when it's appropriate to practice restraint. Not because we're frightened or because you know we're. Um, uh, Intimidated, but more just okay. This is a, this is a dangerous. This is this is this is a potentially harmful uh, condition. So I need to be careful and to treat it with respect and care. So in this way, we can be mindful. We can be aware. We can respond to the conditions that have arisen with with clarity, with wisdom, rather than uh, a sense of confusion or fear or agitation, which 
tends to just make things worse. And sometimes I describe it as like if you're driving a car and uh, you know the weather conditions are very poor. There's a lot of rain and roads are slippery and um, you know visibility is very poor. Then you know instead of driving in the usual way, you, you slow down. You, know, you, you drive. You, know, you, you you put more attention into what you're doing and how you know what's what's happening on the road, what's happening around you. You, you don't expect everybody else to be careful, but you can be. You can be careful. <clears throat> you know, or it may be necessary sometimes to, 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 you know, pull off the road, you know, if the conditions are too bad, just sort of to stop for a bit. And in the same way in our daily life, and if we're in a situation where we're feeling really, um, really upset, angry, confused, um, disappointed, whatever it might be, then, you know, sometimes if there's a possibility of just, you know, removing ourselves from the situation, you know, even just for five minutes, just, you know, going out and and just um, breathing, finding ways to calm ourselves down, you know, to re-establish uh, some sense of collectedness, present moment awareness. So this capacity to to recognize what's going on, you know, if there's a wholesome, you know, a pleasant, generous-hearted response to things, then we can, you know, we can follow that. Uh, you know, we can act or speak on those um, impulses. And if there's a, you know, harmful. Uh, condition of in the mind of, sort of fear or rage or um, confusion, disappointment, anger, irritation, uh, then you know it, it's good to consider the possibility of, of just practicing restraint, not speaking or acting on those impulses. One of the teachings that I find is is helpful with this is um, just considering right effort. The Buddha's teaching on right effort. This is another aspect of the path. So we have right intention, which is you know recognizing the wholesome intentions and the um, harmful intentions, and uh, inclining towards acting or speaking on what is wholesome and responding to the unwholesome conditioned in a in a skillful a skillful a way as possible and then right 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 effort is actually recognizing um what's there in the mind and there are four four aspects of right effort there's the um effort to get rid of or to uh, yeah get rid of um, unwholesome conditions that have arisen. Get rid of, or maybe transform is a better way of putting it. Um, so it's not something we do 
out of aversion or negativity, but more having established presence, say, with with feeling of irritability or rage or confusion, you know, just recognizing that that's there, and then considering, you know, what will be a um, a suitable response to this, uh, so that it doesn't kind of escalate. Like with 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 a fire, if you um, fan the flames or pour water or pour fire on, uh, pour petrol onto it, or put more wood onto it, uh, then it's going to um, uh, burn much more strongly. However, if you um, uh, stop putting, don't put petrol on it, stop putting any more wood onto it, and uh, avoid um, fanning the flames. Um, you know, you can actually, like these, these fire blankets that you get, you put a, this blanket over the, over the flames, and um, the flame, the fire can't, can't continue if you stop feeding it, it just, it just goes out. So we can consider what that might look like in terms of the of the mind. You know, if there's a you know a condition of um, uh, arousal. You know, whether it's the last sexual desire, whether it's um, anger, fear, disappointment, whatever it is, um, can we avoid? Um, uh, creating the conditions for it to escalate, to get out of hand, to take us to take us over completely. Yeah, so this implies actually um, being very clever at how we how we think about something. And the problem is that um, uh, the self really loves. Uh, to be upset and angry, <laughs> and you know, things like sexual desire are incredibly exciting. And um, so, if we're not very aware of the uh, probable harmful consequences of allowing, you know, the desire or the rage or whatever it is to escalate, then the chances are that we'll um, not do anything about it, and it will escalate and then get us into big trouble. Um, but once we've considered the harmfulness of potential harmfulness, then there's um, an incentive to um, consider strategies for just, you know, stop not feeding uh, the um, condition. So I find sometimes there are certain ways of thinking that just uh, cause the situation to escalate. There's a story I sometimes tell about how at one time um, I was really distressed about things that were happening in the community. And there was one person in particular who was was very um, um, upset by. And... I could see in my mind a, a really strong sense of wanting to uh, punish, to hurt that person. 
<laughs> and it was with me for several, you know, for, it was over a period of time, this feeling of vindictiveness, wanting to, to really sort of pay them back in some way. And uh, it was quite exciting, really, <laughs> quite fun. <laughs> Uh, and I realized, I sort of, you know, I considered it, you know, fortunately, being a disciple of the Buddha, I thought, well, what, was, what would the Buddha say about this? And I thought, actually, the Buddha would not think this was a good idea. <laughs> and, um, you know, I was able to, to recognize that this is not what the Buddha would have recommended. This is an unskillful um, way of thinking. And so um, I decided, in my in 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 you know, arising out of the wisdom mind, the capacity for discernment that obviously each of us has, uh, bringing that to the fore, um, I decided just to not go there. You know, so rather than you know, every time you know I could feel myself wanting to uh, follow that train of thought. I just stopped it. Didn't, didn't indulge, didn't uh, follow it, get into it. Didn't allow it, didn't elaborate on it. You know, at that time, you know, fortunately there was a choice, you know, it hadn't got too strong, so there was a kind of choice, you know, just stop. Don't go there. And so, of course, I missed out on the gratification of being right and paying that person back. But what happened was a, a real sense of gladness and joy at having uh, refrained, having held back from following um, such a, you know, unskillful um, impulse, train of thought. You know, giving up um, a kind of immediate kind of ego gratification and experiencing a much deeper, a much fuller sense of well-being uh, from practicing restraint, from not feeding the fire, from allowing it to 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 just die down naturally. So the effort to restrain um, already arisen unwholesome impulses, energies, mm. these energies, these desires that are going to get us into trouble. Of course, we don't always manage it. We regularly blow it. We say something, we shout at somebody, we do something that we would rather not have done, and we feel disappointed. You know, I always feel a bit disappointed if I'm mean to somebody or, you know, even if I'm upset and I slam the door, I, you know, I, I feel, you know, Chandasiri, you didn't have to do that. Or if I scowl at somebody, you know, if I'm feeling, you know, disapproving and I give them a, a mean look. <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, it's happened and then that person doesn't show up for puja and I think, oh dear, <laughs> I hope they're all right. I hope... <laughs> You know, so then there's that, that regret. And, uh, you know, rather than, uh, creating a, a sense of, you know, building that into something, just learning from it. It's an appropriate regret. Uh, 
if we've if we've um, um, let ourselves down in that way, you know, not managed to to hold back when you know, you know, there's, there's usually a kind of moment when you kind of have the choice, you know, that 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 sort of moment where you can decide whether to restrain or whether to to not restrain and. Uh, this is something I've noticed as as I've become more mindful over the years. You know, there's a there's a definite moment of choice, and so uh, uh, sometimes one chooses the right the right way, and you feel happy that um, you've been able to 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 restrain. And other times, for some reason, you go the wrong way. <laughs> The way that brings about a, a less happy consequence. Then there's the, uh, apart from the uh, effort to restrain the um, arisen unwholesome impulses, there's the um, effort to avoid the arising of unskillful, unwholesome impulses. <clears throat> This requires um, a measure of self-knowledge, you know, knowing the kind of things uh, that trigger us. You know, so there are, say, with say with sexual desire, there are certain things that are uh, can be very um, stimulating. You know, just looking at certain things. Uh, can um, stir us up, and you know, again, sometimes we we want to be stirred up. It's, it's exciting. It's interesting. Thrilling. Um, and yet, as we develop the practice, as we cultivate the practice, and develop um, an appreciation for for quiet, for peace, you know, for the. Um, uh, fading away of of selfhood of ego, and there's no longer the uh, there's less interest in um, stimulating ourselves in that way. You know, so we take care as to what we what we put into the mind. Take care about what we read, what we look at. Um, I mean, for us, we don't we don't go to movies, but you know, you can sort of set when we're on the aeroplane. <laughs> and sometimes we get to watch a few movies. <laughs> you know, and, and sometimes, uh, you know, there are, there, are, there are movies that actually stimulate all kinds of... You know, I, I don't for the life of me know why people watch them. I mean, there's... there's <laughs> You know, some people like to be just terrified out of their wits, and I just, that completely just beats me. I just, you know, really frightening things, you know, just want to be terrified. And, uh, or stimulated in, in different ways that are, that are not peaceful. I usually watch nature movies. <laughs> or, uh, anyway. So, um, you know, as we as we um, learn more about the way the mind works, then there's a, and as we as our practice goes on, there's a natural 
uh, inclination to to move away from things that um, stimulate us in ways that are um, uh, not helpful and stir us up either with lust or uh, anger or rage or whatever you know and learning how to like we we're talking earlier about watching the news learning how to you know if we are watching um, the news or reading the papers to, to actually learn how to to do that in a way that is um, so that we don't get incredibly um, angry and upset even though you know a lot of what we see and hear about is really upsetting but seeing that actually being upset about it is actually not going to solve any problems really you know, seeing if we can actually um, uh, enter into these things with a sense of you know more equanimity compassion um, an interest in um, coming forth with a, a skillful uh, response you know coming from a place of wisdom of clarity kindness compassion rather than raging about all the ills of a society and one of the things I find helpful in um, uh, dealing with um, these things is actually to consider my own mind and how within my own mind there are the seeds for all of the foolishness that one sees and hears about in the world and lovely um, it was a folk song years ago forget who it was there but for fortune go you and I you or I just to realize that under different circumstances you know we might be the person who's causing this ghastly harm to some other being I find this a very um, helpful reflection because it um, kind of cools the sense of righteous indignation that can be so powerful in the heart you know, that the sense of, of being right. The other day I shared a little poem about this. Never trust black and white. They're so wrong! We're so right. When we hear what people say, what we find are shades of grey. So just noticing the sense of wanting to, to blame and judge and be right and then just realizing that it's not, it's never so clearly defined as um, uh, we like to make out or in, you know, in the media, they, you know, they, they, they always kind of, you know, they have, have the victim and they have the perpetrator and you know, one's totally black and the other's totally white and you realize actually it's probably not quite like that sometimes yes but um, you need to really kind of read these things with a subtle discerning you know capacity for discernment and to um, reserve judgment you know and if it's suitable if there is a uh, a helpful response then we can come forth with that 
The other two um, kinds of right effort are to do with more wholesome qualities. So the um, furthering of wholesome qualities that have arisen um, and then the uh, bringing forth of wholesome qualities that haven't arisen yet. So... um, You know, maybe we see somebody doing something that is really beautiful, that we'd never thought of doing. You know, offering something to somebody or uh, behaving in a particular way, um, you know, showing respect or kindness. And, uh, you know, if we haven't ever thought of doing that, then we can say, okay, well, let's, let's try that. Let's see what it feels like. It's interesting, up where I live, near Comrie, there's, um, one of the things that I'd really like to get into doing is, is the arms round. Just to, uh, and I've been a couple of times, and then I slightly lost my nerve. <laughs> but um, I can see it's a very, it's a very, it creates a very lovely um, opportunity for people uh, to do something beautiful that you know can uh, support well-being and happiness. You're just offering something. And uh, in fact, the first time I went, somebody did come and um, she offered a whole whole meal into my bowl. Um, and she'd lived in Thailand, so she knew exactly what to do. And, you know, my sense is if, if other people could see that, then they would, they would get the idea and think, oh, maybe I could do that. And that's a very beautiful gesture. And... Uh, as a phrase that uh, Sister Rojna used to say, I think she learned it from Bhante Vajiranyana in, in the Chiswick Vihara in London. And uh, she used to sort of say, Happy's the day that begins with dana. <laughs> and in fact, she was, she was an incredible lady. As, as a layperson, she used to live far away from where the monks were living. And yet one of the things that she loved to do was get up early in the morning, prepare some food, and then she would go on the bus or the train and meet the monks when they were out on their arms round and uh, stop them and put food into their bowl. And uh, she used to get a tremendous amount of joy from this. And so she would come up with this phrase, happy the day that begins with dana. (laughs) You know, so it might be something that, you know, one had never thought of doing. And then seeing other people doing it, you think, okay, this is a, this is a wholesome, a, a, a good thing to do. And then trying it out, seeing how it feels. And if it feels good, then, then doing more of it. So practicing kindness, practicing generosity, practicing compassion, practicing meditation, actually, um, is a very, um, you know, good habit to get into. And, uh, you know, having over these days, you know, put a big effort into uh, 
practicing meditation, in Pawana we call it cultivating mind cultivation. Um, you know, in some ways we've been developing the, the habit of, of mindfulness, you know, taking time to sit quietly each day, uh, taking time to bring mindfulness to walking. You know, so we've sort of begun to develop these habits and uh, you know, it's important to just further them, you know, even when you're in a situation where um, it's not particularly encouraged, like here, you know, if you didn't do it, then I'd have something to say. <laughs> so there's a lot of very strong encouragement to um, to practice and to sit quietly and to do walking practice. And then, um, you know, having having after the retreat just to, you know, because it's a skillful condition that you've been developing, just to, to continue that, to further that. Um, even when the conditions are maybe not so supportive. And you know, the more the more we do it, <clears throat> the more uh there's an appreciation of the benefit of it. You know, something I often say is that sometimes, you know, you might not feel that you're making much progress and you'll still be more aware of the mind when it's the chatter of the mind and the peacefulness of the mind, but often you know, it's 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 one's partner who kind of notices and <laughs> gets very enthusiastic about encouraging you to to do your meditation. <laughs> so I often, you know, I often talk to people and I say, "Oh, does your husband, does your wife, does your partner meditate?" And the person will say, "Well, well, no, but they they make sure I do." <laughs> But, you know, I'm pretty sure that over time, you know, you will see the benefits, but, you know, it may take a while. So it's, it's a wholesome intention, you know, to sit quietly, to, um, uh, you know, each day to, to set aside some time. And, you know, as I said, the mind may not quieten down to the extent it has here. But just to be willing to, to be with the mind as it is. You know, these, these mantras you can use, you know, how is it right now? This is how it is. Just training the mind to attend to the, um, mental chatter and to, um, establish that sense of, um, peaceful watching. So peace doesn't necessarily need to depend on the mind being perfectly calm and peaceful. It doesn't need to depend on being in a beautiful, pleasant, peaceful environment like Amrawati. You know, what I'm really interested in for all of us is um, the unshakable deliverance of the heart. Um, where that is not dependent on on conditions. So, even if the mind is quite stirred up and agitated, that that capacity to quietly observe, this is how it is right now. The mind is agitated, upset, rather than oh, it shouldn't be. This is terrible. My practice has fallen apart. I'm a hopeless case. Um, 
but just see, okay, these are the conditions that have arisen right now. So even when there's you know, a strong sense of grief or anger or confusion, there's that Buddha knowing that is not troubled by what's going on at a more superficial level, that's not troubled by the conditions around us. You know, so in the middle of London, on the on the tube, at work with your family, you know, wherever you are, to just contemplate the possibility of maintaining that inner perspective. This is how it is right now. Conditions are changing. This is part of the flow of life. It's not who and what I am. I don't need to identify with this mood. with this body, with this mind. This is just part of what I live with. Uh, I can uh, allow it to go according to nature. I I'm, practice restraint, so if there's a lot of fire happening in there, there's restraint also. You know, we learn how to gently hold back, or if necessary, to remove ourselves from the situation till we cool down. So, um, just to recap the four kinds of right effort, the effort to restrain the unwholesome states that have already arisen, the effort to prevent the arising of um, unwholesome, unskillful uh, conditions of mind, then the effort to uh, perpetuate, to further wholesome conditions of mind that have arisen, and the effort to, to generate wholesome conditions of mind. To maintain them in being. That's right, maintain in being the, the wholesome. So I find, you know, having these uh, guidelines uh, are really useful um, because uh, sometimes it, it's not a situation where we can simply sort of wait, allow ourselves to not know and wait for the right answer to come. Sometimes you know conditions don't allow that. Um, and yet if one has the capacity to recognize uh, what's happening in consciousness, then we can... Um, be guided by these uh, right efforts. You know that that if it's if it's a wholesome, skillful intention, then you know by all means follow it. And if it's um, something that's going to cause harm to ourselves or others, then to see if we can find a way to to restrain it or to avoid having it arising in the first place. So it's not about um, free expression, <laughs> letting ourselves do and say whatever we feel like, and to heck with the consequences, that the real freedom that the Buddha um, offers is the freedom to live in a way that um, uh, promotes ease of being, uh, 
that avoids keeping us um, bound into patterns of reactivity and suffering. So sometimes people, you know, they, 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 they think that the way the monks and nuns live is really weird because, you know, you're talking about freedom and yet you've got all those rules. <laughs> uh, nuns, we've got about 120 rules. Monks got even more. Um, you know, what's, what's free about that? And basically it's, it's the freedom to avoid doing things that are harmful. Uh, the freedom to, to do the right thing, to do the thing that is going to um, support well-being, that's going to further the uh, beneficial, that's going to um, bring about beneficial effects for oneself and uh, for the society that we live in. Uh, the freedom to choose. The freedom to... Uh, uh, rather than simply reacting to the rules, following following them out of a, a sense of fear, uh, you know that we might get blamed. Just the freedom to pick them up and to say, "Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it like that." You know, if you say I should wear my robes this way, then I'll I'll do that. That's fine. Uh, rather than always kind of saying, "Well, I do, I think I think we should do it like this." I, I don't I don't like that way very much. I think we should do it like this. Or I'm not going to do it like that. You know, all of these ways that we, we complicate things. So just the freedom to to follow um things that are not not harmful um unless we pick them up in the wrong way. So these are some reflections that um, I offer for your contemplation this evening.